0: Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com, and I'm joined this week by my co-host, Caleb Cummings, uh, Sooners360.com talent evaluator. And opinion creator. This is episode 51 titled Red River Recruiting Bump. As always, we will begin with the latest recruiting news. And right off the bat, we've got two upcoming commitments, Caleb, that look like they're about they look like they're gonna go OE's way. So the first commitment is one we've been talking about for a while on this podcast, is Daniel uh, Akin Akinkimi. From England. He will be committing tomorrow at 2 p.m. British summertime, which is 9 a.m. Eastern, 8, uh, 8 a.m. Central, if you're interested in following it. He'll be doing it on his YouTube channel, and uh, it's kind of become a bigger deal. Um, so, Caleb, he was uh, during the Jags Bills game that was from London uh, on Sunday. He was actually interviewed by um, a British national sports channel. Uh-huh. IT sports, So um, he's gotten a little bit of a bigger deal. And, and as I mentioned before, his team got to play at Tottenham Stadium, which is uh, one of the biggest uh, English Premier League team stadiums uh, in the country in London. So um, the uh, NFL Academy team uh, has gotten some publicity lately. They also beat the traveling version of the uh, ING team. So uh, they've been doing quite well lately. So everything is pointing towards Daniel choosing Oklahoma, and uh, based upon his most recent post and his most recent sort of uh, strength and conditioning sort of measurement workout, he is six foot four uh, and point seven seven inches. So I think I think Caleb, we can pretty much call him six foot five, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's to me he's six. he's six five. Yeah, I think you know how Oklahoma does their roster is once you're north of I think the half inch mark, they round you up. But so he's six five. And the bigger piece is uh I think it was you that alerted me to this. He's got what somewhere around an 81-inch, 80 uh, 80 plus inch wingspan. He's extremely uh yeah. long-armed.
0: Yeah, and he's uh he's at two 200- hundred converting kilograms to to, uh, pounds for our American listeners. He's at 295 pounds, and he's right now he's reporting like a 23% sort of body fat composition. So for a big guy, he is in really good shape, the kind of perfect raw clay that kind of – if he chooses OU, Caleb, I think he's sort of the perfect raw clay to hand over to uh, Jerry
2: Schmidt. You know, and we've – I um, mean, we've probably beaten this horse to death and talked about it ad nauseum, right? Uh, and joked about it last week. You know, when, when I said, you know, got the got the option to choose between a big athletic guy or just a really big guy. Give me a big athletic guy, and uh, you know, and some of the other things that are that are more intangible. And as Individuals like you and I and others in like in a recruiting type space or a player evaluation or a personnel space. You don't really get the chance to judge things like character, maturity, you know, which leads into work ethic uh, and, and just those types of, you know, intangible traits that really are as important as anything else. Uh, oftentimes. Right. Uh, and but having said that he from everything you see and everything you read and everything you pick up on him he is a kid that has a uh, he's a very 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 mature at least for when i look back at when i was 18 or 17 and the folks that i knew around that age very mature he he's got a very clear distinct goal he know he want, he knows what he wants very, to accomplish very
0: self self motivated very self motivated,
2: yeah, and he's you know he he knows what he wants to accomplish. He's got a really big why. i uh, mean you know, that's a famous saying, right? When you when your why is big enough, you can you can withstand any. Anyhow, and so I just think that feeds well into a guy like Jerry Schmidt, a coach like Bill Beanbo, uh, and a head coach like Brent Venables, because they'll pour into him all of those developmental things that you need, and he and the recipe is there, right? Between his raw skills, his size, his athleticism, uh, to to develop into you know a a really really good player, and I, you know, if we're kinda of talking comp a little bit. I think what's interesting is I think he could play guard or tackle. And one of the things that really and it stuck out a ton from the game. And I know we'll get to that, right? Uh, but it was was Caden Green. And, and and, you know, when you get Caden inside at guard with his additional size and length and uh the problems that poses Defensive tackles, uh, and I think you know if if Daniel ends up playing inside, I think it, it could be it could be a similar recipe.
0: Yeah, and it should, well, well, we're gonna little we're gonna merge over with uh, with some Texas talk today. We have to; that game was just so great, um, and, and we, we want to talk about it, even though it's not necessarily recruiting. But I think we can talk about all the elements of recruiting. in it, But I think you got to see, you know, Caden Green enrolling early, right? working hard self motivated you know being someone that Jerry Schmidt we we got hints that Jerry Schmidt loved Caden Green during um winter workouts right we were hearing that like he's in you know Jerry loves him he's working really hard and you can just see you can just see it on the field right i mean he's he's a true freshman playing against two four year senior defensive tackles who folks think you know will be earning nfl paychecks and he's and, and and obviously he's not winning every rep and he's not perfect out there, but um, his, his just physical presence and, and physicality, it made a difference in that game.
2: Yeah, it was, you know, it's, it was huge. Uh, a lot of the, I, I think, I, I think the world of Troy Everett and I think Troy is going to be a fantastic center to me that. You know, and we did our player evaluation and looked at his app state film whenever he committed to Oklahoma, and and put that on the site. You know, it was one of the first things I think that Barry, myself, and some others really honed in on is, hey, it's he's a true center. Like he he's a center. He's playing guard because he's a he's a competitive, intelligent kid that will get in there and and, and mix it up with. Anybody. Uh, but he's limited in size and he's limited in length. And where a guy like Sweat, Andre Sweat was winning was with his length. You know, he's 6'4, 360 pounds. And he at times would have, uh, you know, Troy on skates because he could get to Troy where Troy couldn't get to him. He had a really good one. He had a really good one arm that he was able to utilize and and uh, and and bull rush him. But the moment Caden came in, and I I will be fair to to Sweat and and Byron Murphy and say I do assume in some regard. Well, I say that he only played twenty five snaps, so I guess maybe I was going to say Caden. I was going to say maybe they were worn down a little bit by tempo. But reality is, at twenty five snaps, Caden Green helped wear them down. Uh, There are snaps in that game at critical moments, whether it's on the goal line or it's you know a quarterback draw where Oklahoma needs it, needs a big play and they're able to uh to bust one, right? And Caden Green is moving sweat. He's turning his shoulders. He's blowing, his, you know, blow him off the ball, but he's, you know, for all intents and purposes, for what his job is in that play, he's whipping his butt. and to your point, right? You're talking about some people think will be a maybe a second round draft pick, and here's Caden Green in his real first real action against starters in college, and the biggest game he'll ever play, uh, maybe not, but biggest game he's played thus far, and he's getting after him. And some of that really was just, in my opinion, again back to like Daniel, some of that really came down to his physical traits. Can overwhelm those guys. You know, he's got the length. He can get into, he could get into sweat before sweat could get into him. He has the size and the mass that sweat can't bull rush him. You know, he, he anchors and get his, get, you know, get underneath, get his butt, his hips underneath him. He can move, he could move sweat. Uh, so, you know, that was, that, that's, you know, that was big Saturday. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think, like I said, Daniel is maybe a, I don't want to kind of a more of an embryonic kind of uh, prospect, but I mean, physically just numbers wise, very similar to Caden kind of out of high school. So it, it's, it perhaps, you know, it may take a little bit longer, you know, Daniel's newer to the newer to American football, but I think you can definitely perhaps say, you know, if he enrolls early, you know, give him, give him some time, but that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of where his that's kind of his ceiling, right? Very similar okay. physical physical skills and abilities.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I'll be I'll be I'll be honest with you. I don't personally think that him playing at uh, the I'm the I guess the NFL Academy in in England and him not playing. Uh, you know, against certain levels of competition here, I, I really, I don't think any of that matters all that much because the reality is when you really look out at college football and you start really digging into offensive lines, whether it's, you know, when you go further down uh, that path and look at guys that are being drafted and you backtrack and look at their backstory or you just really dig into current offensive lines, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a scenario where every single kid is coming out of a top five or top 10, top 50 program. It's a it's playing a, a,
0: a menagerie of it stories is. and
2: backgrounds. Absolutely. And I mean, you've got some guys that are the best players in the country along the offensive line that played tight end in high school, played eight man football, uh, played, were basketball players that were converted. And that's the thing I think that will help him so much is, you know, offense is as much as people, you know, I maybe don't think about it like this because defense is always attack, 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 you know, offense, you have the benefit of, you know what the play is, you know what your assignment is, you know what you're doing. And so it gives you the ability to be a little bit more confident, uh, you know, and again, back to the whole, you know, the high school thing of not coming out of, you know, uh, IMG Academy in Florida, that's fine. A lot of these guys, you know, you look at Anton Harrison's high school. He wasn't coming out of an uh, in, in NFL factory school. He was able to step in as a true freshman and play and, and be a, you know, three, four-year starter and a first-round draft pick. You know, not saying that Daniel will be exactly that. Just to say that uh, though, all of those things are going to have to be taught. And so much of what's taught in high school, you know, you're going against kids that are – six one and two hundred pounds or two hundred and twenty pound defensive lineman. You're never going to see one of those in college. Right. So all that technique stuff, Bill's going to teach him. Uh so he's he's got a you know he's got a ton, an absolute ton of upside. And uh it does look like he'll, I guess here in about uh maybe twelve hours or so, choose to be a sooner. So speaking of uh
0: guys we we're gonna project are gonna be sooners Uh, kind of been a little bit of a surprise. I I thought this recruiting battle was maybe not going to go OU's way, and things have kind of changed in between our last recording, is Michael Boganowski has set his commitment date for October 19th, and everything right now is tracking that he appears like he's going to choose OU on that date, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, I know you and I have been... We've been a little bit up and down with, with Michael Boganowski in terms of where we think he fits. Uh, we do know the OU coaches think that he's an absolute playmaker, top 100 type guy. That's what our internal sources are telling us, is that ignore whatever you see rankings-wise. The OU coaches have loved this kid and have made him, made him a priority. So it looks like he's choosing OU. He's listed as a linebacker. On some sites, we've heard that OU is recruiting him as a safety. Uh, I got to think, I got to think, I know we don't want to use, you know, everybody wants to, uh, lots of kids apparently want to be a cheetah coming out of high school. But I think the cheetah term I think really fits here with what I see from Voganowski. is that if OU were to get him, you'd have a flexible hybrid safety cheetah guy that It's it's easy to kind of see defensively where he fits.
2: I I agree completely. You know we've kind of gone on the site. We've we've talked about him probably a little bit more in the past, right? Because things have once the season started, uh, he's been hurt
0: and and we've we've been uncertain and it's been uncertain. I I, I'll be honest, guys. I I missed this. I thought he was choosing K State about ten days ago. I was pretty convinced this was heading K State's way.
2: Well, this is an interesting one. I And you tell me, I, I think there's probably a theory out there in some regards. Uh, is him choosing potentially likely, right, uh, choosing Oklahoma, do you think that that is a direct impact of a kid looking at six and seven Oklahoma when he was a junior and saying, I'm not sure, and then he sees this version of Oklahoma and says – I am sure, and I'm a perfect fit. Or am I, I off think he, there? Or do you think it's something like you think it's more more relational on the back end and, and something else?
0: No, because I think OU did has done the relational part for the last year, right? I mean, we've been wondering why he hasn't committed, um, especially in the summer when OU was getting all of their. I mean, he officially visited. Uh, In June, during one of those two big weekends, I can't recall off the top of my head. I think it was the Barbecue U weekend, like the June 19th visit weekend. Um, But we've been wondering why he wasn't setting up an official commitment date, right? We thought we would see a commitment date in July or August, along with everybody else. So I I think, Caleb, you're right on target here. I think this might be, if we want to, you know, if we want to herald the first commit, the first, the guy that has truly, been uh, influenced by the defensive change we're seeing on the field. I think Boganowski might be that first commit, right? The guy who has so many connections with K-State that I think have been keeping this recruiting battle going for most of the summer. And I, I think him, he's watching OU's defense. He's watching how critical uh, Justin Harrington um, Reggie Pearson, Key Lawrence, uh, Desan McCullough have been to the OU defense for like the last three, four games, right? They've all kind of ever since Justin Harrington went down, we've kind of been playing mix and match at the, at Cheetah a little bit with safeties and and Desan McCullough. I, I think you're seeing this is the first defensive commit where we can say, yeah, the kid the kid's watching what's going on in the field and that and that broke the tiebreaker, right? been talking about that this has been like a stalemate in recruiting the last couple of weeks and and i mentioned i wasn't sure how the stalemate was going to get broken and i thought it would be k-state's um close connections to the family right there's a there's a k-state connection to the dad from the k-state coaching staff um the dad's dad's college playing days
2: that's right dad played at mexico state i believe and and one of the defensive coaches of uh I think, at, at Kansas State was his, his coach.
0: Yeah, so I, I just think that – I thought that was going to play out, but it looks like – I think you've identified – this is the first guy where he's at, he's looked at the OU defense and said, well, that's a, I, I play exactly like that, and I want to play around, and they've got loaded guys all around me that I can be successful in making plays left and right. So that's where I want to go. Yeah, I, and Brent I, and Brent is a master of defense, and that that and then and obviously the messaging the messaging the last three weeks nationally about Brent running the defense and building the defense has just been very different, right? It's been you you, you every Oklahoma mention is talking about how Brent is putting his stamp on this defense, right? It's it looks like a Brent Venables defense. That's the that's the statement we've been hearing for the last three weeks, and, and it's only being boomed um, since Saturday. So I, I think you're right. I think this is the first recruiting where OU did everything they could from a relationship standpoint. Wise uh, K State was able to counter that, counter the because OU used as us a great job relationship building. I think Brent is just fantastic at that from a recruiting standpoint, and K State was able to counter that because of sort of a you know a pass relationship, but I do, I do think it's you know, K State's defense is not looking very you know, they don't look they don't look great this year.
2: You know, don't. it's it's a hidden secret that I don't think a lot of folks really know. And Kyle on the site, he's always done such a good job with data and, and I think it's something we highlighted in our in some of our preseason looks at the Big Twelve. Kansas State was not any good on defense last year. It got masked because a little bit like TCU was really not very good on defense last year. It got masked in that they were good in certain situations. They got the, some breaks, ball bounced their way here and there. And then offensively, they played fantastic uh, complementary football. Offense would go down and make a play when they needed it. You know, Oklahoma the game was a good example of that. You know, Oklahoma tie the game. You feel Oklahoma gets the ball back you know, likely to win it, right? Well, what's Kansas State? Do they go on a a big drive where, you know, they they were kind of running down their throat and a lot of it was Adrian Martinez scrambling, but, you know, it's still just complimentary football where they found ways to win. And this Kansas State team, uh, you know, I know the final score was 29-21 against Oklahoma State, but that was a bit of a head fake. Oklahoma State was, you know, kicking their head in the dirt. Oh, they were beating terrible, Kansas. Terrible performance they were just, yeah, I mean, just thumping Kansas State. And Oklahoma State looked. You know, if you did the eyeball test, Oklahoma State looked like the better team, which is wild because Oklahoma State, uh, I don't know that Oklahoma State in any game, and Mike Gundy's talked about this, right? Where he talked about their game against South Alabama and why they lost that game. And he talked about, well, you know, he said, we're not as fast or as explosive as we were in the past. And so we can't, we're not, you know, we're going to pop these big plays. Uh, you know, but they looked, they looked you know, bigger, stronger, more physical, a little bit faster than Kansas state. I, uh, and Kansas state setting it three and two with Texas tech, the game in Lubbock this weekend, followed up by game against TCU, uh, the following weekend, both of those are probably coin flips. You know, we could talk about how kind of meh the big 12 is behind Oklahoma and Texas, but, uh, you know, uh, there could be some of that in there in play as well with Boganowski. I, I, I do know this on, on Boganowski. To me, when I watch his film, he is kind of ideally fit for that cheetah, right? I know I've I've talked a little bit about. I think Sammy O'Meseego is going to outgrow that if he has not already outgrown that. You know, Sammy, I think is a guy that's going to be you know physically look like a a more Maybe a more uh, high cut version of a Kenneth Murray, you know, a 6'2 and be 235 and look, you know, hey, you want PJ and, and Sammy coming off the bus first because, you know, they're going to kind of be, you know, Greek God type fellas, right? I, I think where Mike's, you know, probably not going to be that big in terms of being, you know, 235 plus, but when you watch his film where he absolutely excels is moving forward, right? Uh and we've seen a little bit of that with the Cheetah role where you know Desan McCullough plays it a bit differently than how they did with Justin Harrington. You know, Desan is you know moving forward or moving laterally, especially moving laterally. Desan is he has the looks of a guy that's going to be elite in, in those areas, right? You see the goal line stand. Uh, you know Byron yeah. Murphy's coming to to lead on him, and he puts the crown of his helmet on his chin and stops that. You know, giving up a hundred pounds and stones him. You know, and then it gets off. You know, gets off that would be block really quick to make the play. You know, watch the goal line stand, and 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 Desaun is in on three of four plays. Uh, he a just flying, flying, flying. In yeah you know, he makes you know <clears throat> you know second down third down fourth down uh he's he he makes all those plays happen because of Dawson McCall being on the field and i think mike boganowski you know he's he's similar in the regard of like on film you don't see you don't see him playing a half field safety you know playing a deep half you don't see him playing a single high safety look uh it's just not something they ask him to do what you see is you know a box safety type Hybrid linebacker that when he moves downhill and moves laterally, he gets there quick. And when he strikes, he strikes with violence.
0: Yeah, so I, hopefully um, we're we're right on this Michael prediction. So that that's we've been waiting on. I've been calling Boganowski one of the guys that we're waiting on. So he's off the list. And the only guys we're waiting on really right now from some sort of the known prospects or or. Yeah, the the guys we've really been tracking. We're still waiting on Grant Bricks, and we're still waiting on Devin Jordan, which leads me into – it's a bye week this week. The coaches will be on the road. They'll be all over America on Friday, on Thursday, Friday night, trying to see as many kids as possible. Uh, I would imagine um, Bill will probably try and go see – um, either Grant Bricks and or Eddie Pierre-Louis, who we'll talk about in a second. Uh, that would be my guess. Uh, so I, I think the OU coaches will be all over the place. It'll be interesting to see where um, Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates end up. Um, <laughs> are they are they in Louisiana? Are they in Missouri? Um,
1: I wonder the uh, same. We'll,
0: we'll, we'll, we'll certainly be tracking that story. But um, – so it's a bi-week. OU coaches will be seeing kids, evaluating kids, doing lots of stuff related to closing out 24 and also with an eye towards 25. 25 is is moving along. But Caleb, we do have three interesting names, sort of semi-confirmed for the 21st. At least we're, they're presuming they're going to come in. The first one is Reggie Powers, the safety we've been talking about. And... Uh, Caleb, I'd like to think there's a world where OU can get Boganowski but also bring in powers because as we're seeing in the Cotton Bowl, having safety depth for this defense is just kind of critical.
2: Oh, uh, I think, you know, in today's game it's it's an absolute must because sub packages are are your base defense and you know by and large, you play the majority of your snaps in, uh, in, in various hybrids, which calls for, you know, essentially almost hybrid players. You know, it, it, it you, again, guys like a Mike Boganowski, guys, uh, you know, like a Reggie Powers, that's a physical safety. You feel if he's got to play, you know, in a too high look, you're fine with that. Right, and if uh and if you need to spin a guy down and, and bring him into the box uh, and a run supporter well, like a Key Lawrence or Reggie Pearson, you know you you feel great about you know Reggie Powers, you know being that type of guy down the line. So I I, I could not agree with you more. Uh, you've got to have. I mean, we saw it. I think uh, you know Saturday. You know Saturday. Right, the the secondary depth was tested, uh, you know, by by fourth quarter. Oklahoma's playing a, you know, what was a essentially a backup safety as your as your corner opposite Woody Washington. So, you know, it's uh, it's 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 a key it's a key piece. But you could, I think
0: if you if you could bring in Reggie Powers and and that with Jaden Hardy and Michael Patterson McDonald, you you you've got three safeties. Uh, and the three true safeties in the class, and then you then you can allow Boganowski to focus on Cheetah, or let's just say, let's say Michael comes in at six two two ten, and all of a sudden you're like, is this a will linebacker? It also gives you some flexibility there as well, right? Because we know this is a small linebacker class. It's just Michael Nesta for now, and there's no names really appearing along those lines tonight. And, and I think you and I are both a little suspicious. That Michael Nestick could grow into a rush end um, just a little bit. Um, so that's interesting to think. you still bring in Reggie Powers. I like that. And then, you know, Devin Jordan's talking maybe December. So um, Cameron Campbell from Tampa is coming in. And if you could get a commit from him, I, I'm not sure you take that commit and you tell Devin Jordan, thank you. Um, You know, we want we love in state kids, but we have given you more than enough chances to jump on board. And this kid from Tampa, Florida, is an SEC corner, and we're not going to pass that up while waiting on you.
2: Yeah, I, I, I I come. There's. I agreely. I, I completely agree with that, that statement. Uh I it's not and I wouldn't say I have any any doubts about, you know, Devin Jordan or I have any like overall nah. concerns about him as a player, but you know, he is a smaller, more slight kid, you know, five eleven, hundred and sixty eight pounds, and uh, uh he's he 168 pounds is there. There's no body fat on him. Uh he is an extremely lean, lean kid. But you know, the 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 uh, the, the thing but is but Eli Cam- Bowen already,
0: right? I mean Campbell's a bigger I mean, Campbell's a bigger kid, right? He's
2: that's he looks yeah, more I,
0: like Canai. He looks more like Kanai Walker, right? A little or Vickers, right? Just a bigger cornerback.
2: Well that's the thing, right? He's not listed as very heavy, but it's it's he's you know, in a six six one you know, 175 pounds. So, you know, maybe, maybe just, uh, listed as just, you know, seven, eight pounds heavier, but he looks on film. He looks six foot one. Uh, he looks, you know, uh, 175, 180 pounds. You know, he, again, he might be big wingspan too. big wingspan might be a lean guy right now, but, you know, naturally fill out. And, uh, you know, you see that I think it's one of the areas Oklahoma has really excelled. Uh, you know, I mean, first off, give Jay Valai all the credit in the world because his corners take on have taken on his personality. Uh, and they are a physical bunch. Uh, you know, but there's also just some trait things that. Uh, you know, are at play there and, and like Gentry being a guy that you know, six foot, uh but he's extremely long limbed and that helps on the edge, you know? And so, yeah, I think, you know, Cameron uh Campbell, he would be, I know, would be I know Devin Jordan fit. is an in-state guy, but yeah, I just, it's, I, if Cameron wanted to commit, I would take him.
0: Yeah, I just, I watch his film, his suddenness, his aggressiveness, it's, he just, um, I'm like, okay, um, and again, you know, I, I, Brent's done a great job with in-state recruiting, the in-state um, walk-on program, preferred walk-on program is working beautifully, but, you know, I mean, OU has given Devin Jordan every every window, he, he was offered early, it's not like oh, OU offered him late, or any of these things, you know, he, he came in on the barbecue. He came in in June as a focus target, you know, for his official visit um, in June. So he's had, you know, that, that's, that's, that's that means he's a prime target. OU has invested and made him, you know, he, he got all the bells and whistles from OU, just like everybody else, just like David Stone and all the other big time commits in this class. So if he misses out on this opportunity, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not sure. Not sure, you know, I really, you know, I know you finds a comparable player or someone who perhaps maybe even is a physical better fit because, you know, if you have Bowen, let's just imagine you have Eli Bowen as one cornerback. But if I can combine, can, if I can have Eli on one side and then a six foot one, you know, maybe 190 pound cornerback on the other side, I, I like that combo.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I mean, mean, we we talked about this, I think, a couple of podcasts back and and and, you know, there are. There are certain positions on defense that are trait positions uh, more so than, you know, offense, you know, is maybe, you know, probably a little bit fewer. Uh, I I think, you know, obviously intellectual part comes a lot into that. And and there are those key positions, you know, linebacker safety on defense. But corner is one of the trait positions. You know, do you have the length? Do you have the frame to you know, carry the mass and still be able to run, you know, can you accelerate? Can you turn your hips? Can you run? Like, those are just, you have to be able to do those things physically. And, uh, you know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things like I'm with you completely. I uh, I think every Oklahoma fan looks at the thought of having a 5'11 a corner opposite a five foot nine corner, and you think, ugh, that's <laughs> that's a little bit worrisome, you know, because somebody, we've, you know, we've
0: been there, been, been there, down that, we've right? been there, like, yeah. Okay.
2: We, we don't want you don't what we don't want is then you know Texas trots out a, a six foot four and a six foot three, you know, pair of receivers that can run, and you're saying, okay, we're going to get bullied on the edge. You know, we don't have the size or the length to hold up in the short, quick game that everybody uses as an extension of the run. So are we going to are we going to struggle there? Are we going to struggle after the catch? Uh, You know, and not saying that Devin and and those guys will. It's just, you know, there's there's a risk there. Uh, So, you know, uh, here's one question for you. And is is there a possibility Devin Jordan has silently has committed months or weeks ago and just hasn't told anyone and has just wanted to play this out and and do something that's, you know, is going to have a big ceremony? Because of all the kids out there, his probably makes the least amount of sense, Uh, you know, because he was a late, he really a late find by OU, you know, it wasn't. In years past, uh, you know, when Riley was at Oklahoma, you know, you'd see kids get blow up with offers from Arkansas and Tennessee and Missouri and then Kentucky and all these other SEC schools and maybe Big Ten schools would throw offers and it, the kid would blow up and then Oklahoma would throw an offer in. and and But this is the opposite, right? This is a, a kid that came out of his junior year, nobody really talking about Oklahoma was the first to offer and then Alabama and these others followed suit. And so it just seems really odd that he's, you know, maybe he's, maybe not, maybe he's relishing in the fact that, hey, I wasn't a kid that was getting recruited as a sophomore. So I want to roll this out.
0: Yeah, it's a good question, Caleb. There's there's nothing, none of our sources are indicating that, you know, hey, you know, the fix is in on this. Just, just let it play out, which we heard about from a number of kids. We talked, you know, in in our little admin chat. You know, I've mentioned kids in the in the past. I felt were kind of fitting that model, um, and you know, and the Campbell com- and the Campbell offer seems to me to be directly. Uh, I don't think you can take Campbell and Devin Jordan in this class. I, not with Eli Bowen and uh, and Newcom already verbaled at the cornerback position, and and Jaden Hardy's actually playing quite a bit of cornerback at Lewis um, at Lewisville this this fall. And he looks pretty good. So Hardy may have a little more positional flexibility than we realized, which would allow you to kind of do the safety thing we were talking about. So it's a a weird situation. Um, Again, you know, Caleb, I think the only – we're about to mention one of the only other guys who visited in June who's really still in play um, is Devin Jordan and then Eddie Pierre-Louis. Um, so it's and Grant Bricks is the other guy that we mentioned. So those, those guys are really the only three visitors from those big weekends in June that have not either committed to OU or committed somewhere else. So, or, or have eliminated OU from consideration. I guess Kobe Black technically fits in that other category, but I mean, he hasn't, hasn't been a factor with OU recruiting for a while. So, so yeah, it's 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 an odd recruiting. I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's a silent to OU. That's, that's nothing that, that we've sort of heard. And I think it's, why is he dragging out his recruiting? Um, you know, I think he, maybe he's confused about where he wants to go. This his TCU has a, an assistant or a grad assistant that has a connection to him at Tulsa Union that I think may be where he's, where he's been possibly thinking about going. So I think he's giving TCU a lot of thought and maybe for TCU, he might be one of their bigger commits, right? Um, in terms of their recruiting profile, but I, I think I think we'll know more if he doesn't come down for the UCF game um, as an unofficial visit or something like that. I think we we, we may we may have our answer because if you get Reggie Powers and you get uh, Boganowski, I could see OU and saying, "Well, we want Campbell or we want a big cornerback, right?" But if we can't get a big cornerback. You know, maybe we're going to be fishing in some other territory. So the third name to visit is Eddie Pierre-Louis. And, Caleb, I can't think of a network or a national analyst or a Florida or Southeast analyst who hasn't put in a forecast crystal ball or a prediction for Eddie Pierre-Louis to owe you in the last 10 days. It's been at least 15, I think, predictions, forecasts across the three various networks. He's supposed to come in town that weekend. If if OU can add Eddie Pierre Louis and, and uh, he's at Tampa Catholic, so I doubt that he can enroll early. Lewis Carter had the same circumstance. Sometimes the parochial schools uh, don't allow for a, a graduation early um, curriculum. Right? Uh, we saw that with Bishop Gorman as well, uh, another parochial school. So it looks like OU has a is developing a lead for Eddie Pierre Louis. Um, even if he doesn't enroll early. I mean, I I love this kid on film. I I I've been pretty. I, I he's top thirty on rivals, and he's not. And other networks have him much lower ranked. I don't understand what the other networks are looking at. Um, we've talked ad nauseum about his his hundred meter relay time, where he ran the anchor leg, and it looked like he was running through walls, literally. Uh, he's he's a powerful, big athlete. He 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 looks a little bit like Davin Joseph, um, reincarnated. Uh, they're both uh, both from Florida. Um, Davin Joseph was from Hallandale, and then, uh, but Davin uh, in the NFL played for the Bucks for a number of years. He just looks if OU could get Davin. Sorry, could get you uh, want to call him Davin Joseph. If OU could get Eddie Pierre Louis, add him to Daniel Ekungumi, plus the other three guys they have committed. It may not be the five player class we thought they were going to get, but it would be a just from a numbers standpoint that would be a good five-player class to bring in, knowing that um, Autry, Brooks, and Ekin Kimi, and IASOSA all are enrolling early, right? So they're all getting that jump on development, uh, which is a big, big boost for them, I think. Maybe not in fall 24, but fall 25, right? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we've gone back and forth on Bill's recruiting ability here. I think you and I both, you know, have different opinions on that, but I think we both wanted him to get five high school guys, right? Get five high school guys at least, right? If you can get five high school guys at least, that, that that's a that's a start, right? That's a that's a good that's a good start, right? If you get six, that would be great. But if you get five, you have at least bring in the bodies, the number of bodies in that we think you need.
2: Yeah, I I think that's, you know. I know we've talked about this. And if, you know, if there was one area, you know, if the, if I was to pick an area and say, hey, what's the most critical point that you would pick on, maybe a scab for with Bill, that's what it would be is over the last, Probably going back to the 2019, 2018, maybe even, maybe before, right? There's just been a number of classes for years now where Oklahoma's not signed the numbers they've needed along the offensive line. Now they supplemented that with, uh, transfer portal kids. And so, you know, we could get into that discussion of what's more valuable. Is it better to take a four or five man offensive line class and then look to the portal for you know other kids that just you know came on and, and they were kids that fell through the cracks, or is it uh, a better idea to to bet on yourself and bet on your development and bet on your coaches and bet on your strength coaches and say I feel that if I have you know, control over these things, we'll do a better job. Uh, you know, it's hard to say that if you're looking for, you know, the the barometer of who's doing it the best, you know, it's hard to say that, you know, uh, Georgia and Alabama uh, haven't done uh, that job, but there's also that Michigan who uh, has done it both, both ways. You know they're a really good team. the first one that made the playoff, they built up internally. the second year that last year's team that was you know that had multiple transfers on it, uh, including their all American center that transferred in from Virginia. So I think you know you know not to beat that dead horse, but you need numbers is what you need uh, and you need because you need to be able to develop guys you need competition you know, it's just the reality of your gambling. As it you know, as it pertains to kids panning out, you're just gambling. I never in a million years would have bet that Aaron Parks would be a kid that would you know only ever play one game at Oklahoma, which is the Florida State game last year, you know, because they had multiple guys leave for the NFL, and then the other kid get, and then Jake Sexton gets hurt. I, I you know coming out, I would have I would have bet on him being a multi-year starter at Oklahoma, uh, but that just doesn't happen. You just don't hit a thousand percent of your bets. So you've got to go out and you've got to stack kids upon kids upon kids and drop them into your program. And so, you know, I think that's to me where getting Eddie Pierre Louis, he's really important. Uh, I think Josh Iasosa has got a got a huge ceiling. I think Josh is a fantastic fit for what Oklahoma does along the interior. You know, we talked a little bit about needing the length and needing the size and not being bullied and then being right. able to being able to bully. You know, an ISO's six four, he's three hundred pounds, he's athletic, uh, he's not, you know, he He's a guy you can fill up. Eugene Brooks is very similar. You know, he's 6'3", probably down to 315. Uh, he's a bully on the field. You know, interior, he's going to be able to hold up there. You know, and, and Eddie Pierre-Louis, he's a, he's a really, really uh, – he is kind of a borderline Five star offensive guard, which is really rare. You know, I think we did our rankings. I, I did, and I, and I still would have uh, the kid out of Lindale, uh, East Texas, that's chose chose Alabama. Uh, Help me with his Casey name, Poe. Casey Poe. Casey Poe. You know, and for me, it was just Casey Poe, six five in three hundred pounds, a really lean to a two ninety yeah. or whatever it is. And it's just again, it comes down to you know he's that size, able to maul even bigger defensive tackles. And I know that Eddie's not six five, you know, but at six three, three thirty, he is as strong and as explosive and as violent as you know, any any guard that I've seen in the last, I don't know, a number of cycles right uh he's a yeah. just like just like Lewis Carter he is a monster in the weight room, puts up big numbers and then yeah you watch him run, watch him pull, you just watch him he's and he's got a nasty disposition, I think he would be a i think he would be a kid that could come in and you know potentially contribute early just because of uh you know because of that, yeah, I mean he's again,
0: I just I just watch, I mean, I'm just watching him running that hundred meters in my head right now while you're talking. And it literally looks like he's imagining there are defenders in front of him, stopping him from getting to the finish line. Right.
2: And he's
0: just just like chugging, he's mentally chugging through imaginary defenders as he's running a hundred meters, as he's running a hundred meters to get to the finish line. It's like, you know, I'm just, I'm like a charging rhino. He's just, he looks like, you know, it's like, it's like, that's, that's such a bell offensive lineman It just. It, it just, you know, I, I was happy when we, when he came back into OU Focus, because I'm like, he just, he just fits, man. If this is, this is a, this will be, I'll be stunned if this is not a personality, you know, just not a personality click and fit, right? Yeah. Guard, no, I'm, guard, I'm, go, guard, go destroy, go destroy people. Like, yeah, no problem. Um, you know, it's, and you gotta like Tampa Catholic, right? They, they put out good talent. Um, and it's obvious OU has uh, the Clemson OU coaches have a long term connection there. Yeah, that was the yeah. only way we pulled uh, Lewis Carter out of Florida like that, away from the SEC powers. And and next year, you know, Lewis Carter I think has a much you know has potentially a bigger role on this team. Um, but we can already see what that could be. So I think to get Eddie Pierre Louis would be a would be a huge addition. So those are the three guys we know about. Caleb, I think 25 will see a big contingent for the UCF game, maybe especially from the Dallas area. Um, we, got, we, get, we got hit with a crappy 12 o'clock kickoff again. Um, but I think post-Texas, this is the first home game post-Texas. So I think we may see a, a big 25 uh, Metro-Dallas contingent. Obviously, Kevin Sperry and the Carl Albert guys will probably all be there. We may even have another verbal commitment by this point from 2025. Um, Marcus James just announced his top five. Not much. Not sure how much longer he's really going to wait. Um, so we'll we'll see that could possibly follow you's way. But I think we could see a top 25. The question is, it's it's kind of decommit season right now, Caleb. And two of the biggest names, not really related to OU, or at least we don't think so right now, is C.J. Jackson, the rush end from Tucker Georgia, who I really like. And OU has been sort of involved with. Um, He decommitted from Georgia Tech. Um, Georgia Tech's having kind of a tough season, even though Mario Cristobal gift wrapped a victory to them (laughs) on Saturday night. Um, And then the bigger name was uh, Elijah Rushing, the defensive end from Arizona, who was committed to the Wildcats, has opened up his recruiting He's probably heading to Oregon, but you're starting to see a lot of kids committed elsewhere, visiting places, lots of speculative visits going on. Um, it's been reported by several outlets. I think two for. I think uh, uh, I think Parker Thune on OU Insider was the first one to report this. That Zion Kearney went to an A and M game. Doesn't appear to be any smoke around that. I imagine Zion will be back up to the UCF game. He's been to every home game. So hopefully to kind of close that loop, but there's lots of noise and smoke about kids. So Caleb, to, to end this, uh, to end our first, uh, to end our first big segment, if you could get one kid verbaled elsewhere in a realistic that they've actually you know talked to OU, visited OU, or something like that, just one kid who you'd like to see in Norman for the UCF game, who would that kid be? Oh boy. Unofficial unofficial visit, official visit, you know, depends if they have an OU official visit left. Who's the, if I'm giving you the magic bullet, who who are you spending it
2: on? Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny, I'll go this place, but it would be Williams and the You know, Oklahoma's doing great along the off, along the defensive line, rather. Uh, Love the defensive line class. Uh, But, you know, potential there. Uh, he is committed to Missouri, and uh, it would be obviously a lot of fun to see the the wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oklahoma was able to, you know, get him in after he's you know he's worn Oklahoma gloves and cleats to I think most of his games. But again, his team's black and red, so him wearing you know red Oklahoma stuff's no no shocker. That uh, that would be. That would be interesting, particularly coming off of the the win in Dallas, the way that they want it. You know, defense playing well, having a goal line stand, and I think everybody at this point now has probably seen the the video that Oklahoma's social media account put together that has been it's absolutely blown up. I mean, every there's there's you know yeah, I mean. big time personalities and sports figures that all come out and comment and have been like, oh, I'm a, I'm an Oklahoma fan now. You know, on top of being a fan of, you know, whatever yeah, I mean, school they went to. So, uh yeah, to get him would be pretty big, uh, I think.
0: Well, it probably means nothing, but on social media, he was retweeting the Todd Bates, what do you pay back? What do you pay back in, a, in a, with a sense of urgency? And um What was were was the three? It was money. The three. Money, tools, if you – Tools. Yeah. You, you, Borrow someone, borrow man's tools. tools. You got to return them with urgency. And the last one was ass whooping.
2: -whooping.
0: Yeah. And you got (laughs) to love that moment. You got to love that moment. I heard that last line
2: where he said, and we're going to same day deliver that ass whooping today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it probably means nothing. You know, Winery probably retweets, you know, a dozen different stuff from different D-line Coaches around the country, but um, yeah,
2: I, I agree. I think it,
0: I, it was, but it was, but it was class. I'm just sure Missouri fans are like, God damn it! what are you, What is, you know, now we're gonna have OU fans posted this all over that, that he that he retweeted this. So, um, you know, we'll see. That's, that's OU's got lots of connections here. It's very easy, probably for Williams to get a ride to Norman if he wants one. Um, so that would be that would be the guy. I think the name. I would choose, and it's not, and it's mainly just because you know. It, it, I would, I'd love watching the the online meltdown about it. it would be, I, I'd love to see um, uh, Terry Bussey show back up in Norman just to get the A and M fans who were in a foul mood to begin with. And if, and if if they drop a Tennessee game this weekend, it's that that foul mood's going to get even worse. So to see Bussey in Norman on an unoffic- another unofficial visit. Uh, maybe completely in secret just show up and he's, you know, flashing on social media, you know, you know, you garb and all that. I think that would be just to tweak the A&M fans. I think that would be just absolutely brilliant. So, well, you know, uh, nothing, I think nothing, nothing else to tweak him, right? I mean, you know, just, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think McKinley's realistic at this point. I think that, I think that, that battles, that battles lost. I, I I think will. Bussy, Bussy, I think is a little more in play.
2: I will say with Noery, the one thing that I wonder, and this is definitely coming from more of a, a fan's eye, right? But I do wonder for a kid like that, you're the number one recruit in the country on a lot of services in different composites. You're at least top three basically on most every composite. Do you see that game? And do you see the hype? Do you see the attention? Do you see like the entire college football world descend on Dallas? Everybody's focused on it for multiple days. After the game, you know, everybody's retweeting these videos. Everybody's talking about it. And do you say to yourself, I want to be a part of that, and I will never be a part of that at Missouri. Like, I don't care if Missouri has a magical season and goes – you know, twelve and 0 The only way they're getting game day to show up to their games is if they're playing a seven or eight and 0 Georgia team, or if they're playing a nine and 0 Oklahoma team, or if they're you know what I mean. Like, I don't mean to be like really mean to when I when, you know and talk down to Missouri there, but like that's the hierarchy of college football. They don't get people to tune in. They don't get they don't get the guys in Vegas to throw down lots of money on them. They just don't draw. Oklahoma draws. Right, we live in a content world, and uh, Oklahoma, you see it. That's why all the talking heads like to poke at him because they know, hey, if I poke that bear, I get interact. People interact with me, and I get views, and I get talked about. And so I, I came out of that wondering. You know, obviously NIL is the biggest thing. It had, you know, has been talked about as being the biggest thing. And maybe, maybe he looks at it and says, I can't walk away from the big golf difference in money there, uh, but maybe not. Right? Maybe he looks at it and says. You know, had the money difference isn't that much, and I want to be a part of that. I want to play in those types of games. I want to play in, you know, go to the NFL. I don't want to go to a program that's just going to be middle of the road, playing at eleven o'clock on every Saturday on ESPN two and SEC network that nobody cares about.
0: It's definitely a, pos- definitely a possibility. Okay, Dad. That- that's basically the rundown of the recruiting news we have we're going to move to our next segment where we talked a little bit more evaluation analysis and I, i want to give caleb a chance to talk a little about the texas game a little bit more in depth so we're going to be right back with that segment